welcome to Themis Podcasts. Themis is a risk management firm specialising in financial crime. Our aim of these podcasts is to bring you interesting news, interviews and recordings of our exclusive events from the world of financial crime. The launch of Themis Knowledge is very exciting news for the anti-financial crime community. And this podcast delves deeper into one of the stories from the corruption module in Themis Knowledge called Integrity Icon. Very Chohan, MD of Themis Community, talks to Blair Glencourse, Executive Director and Founder of Accountability Lab, about Integrity Icon. Imagine a show not focusing on celebrities, but instead on government officials. Integrity Icon, formerly known as Integrity Idol, is a movement to celebrate, encourage and connect honest civil servants who demonstrate exemplary integrity in their work. Blair and Viri also discuss the challenge of illicit financial flows, a concept explained in the corruption module, and how the impact of corruption is closer to home than you would normally imagine. Hello and welcome to this Themis podcast. My name is Viri Chauhan and I'm the head of community for Themis. I also look after products and training and one of the innovative uh, products we have within our training is something called Integrity Icon, which we're featuring in our corruption module. Now, Integrity Icon is an initiative run by Accountability Lab. Blair Glencourse is a founder and executive director of Accountability Lab, and I'm pleased to have him on this podcast. Welcome, Blair. Hi, very great to be with you. Well, thank you for joining us. It's a real pleasure to have you on here. Um, I know that Integrity Icon is featured in our Themis Knowledge uh, module, in the Corruption module, but I've also seen quite a lot of coverage of it on the BBC, CNN, The Guardian, and The Economist. I mean, before we go into this innovative initiative that you have, could you tell us about yourself and how you came about running Accountability Lab? Yes. Well, I'm from the UK originally, but uh, began began working in developing countries with the World Bank and then with another think tank uh, and really came to the conclusion that, that accountability and, and anti-corruption is, is what it's all about. I, uh, there was one, one moment in particular that I remember where I was in southern Nepal talking to lots of young people there about the challenges that they that they faced and was expecting them to say that they wanted more education, better healthcare, clean water, those sorts of things which you know which they needed. And, and actually they said to me, we want accountability, we want people in power to be responsible, we want politicians to stop being corrupt, because we know that those are really the causes of all of these other problems. And we have great ideas for solving these problems, but we don't have the support that we need uh, to do that. And that is where the Accountability Lab came from. Um, we began to work with young people like them to to develop creative ideas for accountability and, and transparency and anti-corruption. And it's grown over the last eight or nine years. And we now work in 11 countries um, and run a variety of different programs, including Integrity Icon. I mean, that's re- really impressive. Um, I mean, in- Integrity Icon is, is something which you know, does seem novel and unusual. You know, what were the what were the drivers to to think of such a such an initiative? Um, I think 
it was it was talking to young people like those that I described who who needed support um, to to develop the ideas that they um, that they wanted to to push for accountability. Um, Integrity icon specifically um, also uh, emerged from from Nepal. We were watching um, Nepali Idol, the Nepali version of Pop Idol or American Idol, the singing show, at one point there about eight years ago and began to brainstorm around the idea of some sort of TV show that would bring together the kind of glitzy media-driven approach um, to these to, to outreach with these issues of accountability and integrity, and came up with the, with the idea of Integrity Idol, as it was known at the time. And we gathered volunteers the very next day and said, try and find nominations of honest government officials from all over the country. So they found out, and we got hundreds of nominations, um, and, uh, and then selected the top five with a with an expert panel, filmed them, put them on television, and then people voted for their favorites. And it was a huge success. Um, we, we weren't expecting it at all, but hundreds of thousands of people watched the show. Um, they got very engaged. There was conversations everywhere from government offices to, um, to dining tables, to, to community halls about about what integrity was and, and why people in government should should have it. Um, so it was fantastic. And, and the first winner was a man called Guy and Manny, who was a district education officer from the east of Nepal, who had done amazing things to clean up corruption within the education sector in, in his district. Um, and when he, after we crowned him at the ceremony, when he went home to his village, we have a video of him arriving with with literally thousands of people on the streets chanting, he is our people's hero, he's the integrity idol. And so we knew we were onto something. And so since then it's it's grown. We've changed the name to Integrity Icon, but the process is is the same. And it's now in in 11 countries and we have millions and millions of people involved every year. I mean, that's really quite, quite impressive. And it, it lo looks like you've engaged the, the people at the heart of the impact of where corruption hits hardest. What's been the the reaction from, I suppose, authorities and, and government departments to Integrity Icon? It's a great question. So Integrity Icon is, is just celebrating civil servants, not elected uh, politicians, because we wanted to, to keep this apolitical and, and neutral. And that first year in Nepal, for example, to begin with, the government ignored us. But once they saw this was beginning to become popular, they um, they wanted to get involved and the head of the civil service said can I give the awards to the winners at the big ceremony that we hosted so we allowed him to do that uh, the government then put the profiles of the winners on government websites to to highlight them um, the, the winner who I mentioned Guy Mani we managed to organize to to come to the US on behalf of the Nepali government to brief congressmen on Capitol Hill on education reform and local governance uh, so there was there was a lot more engagement, um, but we made sure that this was a a campaign that was seen as apolitical and neutral and was driven by by civil society, not by governments. In fact, the Nepali government at that time had its own um, best civil service award, but it, it was uh, a corrupt process and was not transparent or trusted by Nepali citizens, um, ironically. So Integrity Icon filled filled a bit of a gap there and and because we were transparent and we were creative and we were positive uh, and engaged the media in in new and different ways it became a lot more a lot more popular and we've seen the same thing in in other countries generally 
um, people like celebrating integrity, uh, even if even if they don't have integrity themselves. We're we're not pointing fingers at them. We're not naming and shaming. We are naming and faming the good people, the people working towards solutions and, and doing the right thing, and that's very powerful. I, I really like your, the strapline, naming and faming. Uh, it, it sort of resonates, and it, it sort of bucks the the the, the trend of anti-corruption initiatives taking a negative negative approach. Um, I think that's really interesting. What, one question I'd like to, to uh, move on to, Blair, is that, you know, whilst Integrity Icon seems a really impressive uh, idea and it seems like you've had a lot of success, for people in the UK, it could feel a bit, little bit far removed. You know, you know why, why should I care about that? Mm. Well, I might turn this back to you very perhaps and say, do you, you know, do you think that corruption and a lack of accountability affect, affect you or, or do you care about these issues even though you're in the UK? Well, thank, thank you, Blair. Um, I, I suppose I deserve that really. Um, well, you, you know, I've, I've been working, uh, researching uh, in corruption for a number of years. My, my primary research at the moment is illicit financial flow which I suppose looks at um, dirty money moving from developing countries, um, things like corruption, money laundering, uh, bribery, but also it looks at uh, uh, illicit flows which are legal, for example, tax avoidance and things like transfer price abuse. And I suppose what I was looking at when I was looking at this research was that that money coming from the developing countries flows into the Western world and it sits and goes through banking systems through the UK. And I was sort of a little bit sort of alarmed at this sort of double double standard, particularly when you look at corruption perceptions of say developing, de developing countries and the perception in the UK. And for most people, we see that corruption is not really a problem in the UK. But if you look at it a little bit, a little bit closer, uh, you know, recently London was again named as one of the money laundering capitals of the of the world. So that money is flowing through the UK, and I wanted to highlight that. I mean, what, what what's your what's your view view on sort of the the areas of research that I'm involved in? Is there anything I could learn from uh, from the work that you're doing? Well, I completely agree. I, I think it's the the Western financial um, legal and real estate industries um, and, and organizations that are facilitating corruption and the kind of illicit financial flows that, that you're talking about. We like to think that corruption is just an issue that affects developing countries, but of course it, it isn't. It is, is perpetuated and exacerbated by, by institutions in the West, and, and we have to really get our own house in order before we um, talk too much uh, in negative terms about what's going on elsewhere so so I completely agree and, and this is an issue that affects everyone everywhere um, we integrity icon is is all about celebrating honest government officials and even in the UK for example where there is still corruption there's still a lack of accountability there's still a lack of integrity there are also incredible public servants um, who are serving citizens in the right ways uh, and are being honest and responsible and they deserve to be recognized and, and held up as examples and to be to be shown as role models for for everyone else, because I think that's the way we'll slowly slowly shift norms um, and and change 
behaviors. And if there's one silver lining, I think, to the current coronavirus pandemic, it's, it's that it's doing that within healthcare in particular, where we are all now much more appreciative than perhaps we were before of, of people in healthcare, nurses and doctors in particular, um, who, are, who are right on the front lines doing what they need to do um, to take care of other people. So Integrity Icon builds on that kind of approach. It's solutions oriented. It's about the good people. Um, it's about changing the narrative. Um, and I think that's that's very relevant for for everyone, wherever you might be. Okay, so so do you, do you think that um, it could work in in the in the Western world? Absolutely, we have just begun Integrity Icon in the US, actually, at the city level in Philadelphia, which is also a city that's that's had many issues of of corruption, um, and where there are many great people doing doing amazing things to. To build integrity, so we're excited um, about that. I think it could it could definitely spread to other American cities. We're already in discussions with with others, um, and I think it could also be very relevant in in the UK too. Absolutely. So so I think it can work everywhere. You know this this idea of 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 changing the narrative and celebrating what works and um, building on what's called in some of the literature positive deviancy. Um, I think is is something that's been fairly well researched and, and shown to change behaviors uh, more effectively than, than pointing fingers and, and of punishing and relying on enforcement and compliance. So I don't think they're, they're mutually exclusive. I think, of course, we still need to enforce the rule of law and we need to comply with, with rules and so on. Um, but I think this is an additional, additional approach that, that could be really useful in, in helping us redefine what, what kind of behaviors we want in our societies. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. I, I think changing the, the the way we think about uh, anti-corruption uh, is, is useful. And I think again, I go back to sort of the the naming and faming strapline that you have. It re does really resonate. Um, if I could sort of move on to, um, you know, if there was one thing that you could change in the world of anti-corruption, what what would it be? Well, I think there's a few things, if I'm allowed uh, a few. One is um, certainly this idea of, of changing the narrative towards making this positive and, and solutions oriented, as we've discussed. A second would be creating unlikely networks, as we call them. So bringing in different kinds of people to this work. It, it can be quite technical. It can be um, a little bit opaque, uh, the anti-corruption world. It can be seen as a little bit distant, as we've discussed, from from the real lives of people. And I think the more we can bring in um, creative people, uh, filmmakers, music makers, technologists, others that can translate all of this into language and and media that, that people can better understand, the, the better off we will be because it will popularize all of this and it'll help people understand why it is important and, and why it affects them um, in ways that, that can change things, I hope. Um, and the third thing is um, building what we call insider-outsider coalitions. And what I mean by that is forming relationships and connecting the dots between people inside government and people outside government, like civic activists and community leaders and movement builders and, and so on, because this really has to be a collective movement and we need to be on the same, the same side. And that's one of the interesting things that's come out of Integrity Icon actually, is we've begun now to do that, to, to build some really interesting coalitions between some of our icons um, with each other, but also with people 
outside government who can help them and who can ask the right questions um, and can use the right sorts of information that they're putting out to push for for accountability. And we've even now begun training civil service um, training academies or training schools in a number of countries to to do just that with with incoming civil servants. So again, really coming back to to the younger generation and, and the idea that this is a generational shift um, and and catching them early, connecting them in the right ways as soon as we can and, and helping them push for, for the kind of change that they want to see. But I would also very maybe ask ask you, I mean, what, what do you think is is missing in the anti-corruption world these days? Yes, it's, it's, um, it's fair to, to point that back at me. I, I think um, looking at what you've been doing, I suppose uh, that what, what came to mind immediately is uh, more action, less rhetoric. And I think what I mean by that is with the research I've, I've done over the years, I've come across a number of different agencies and uh, organizations that deal with anti-corruption and they have many interesting and relevant plans and initiatives but I think what you're doing with uh, uh, integrity icon is that the, the action is really clear to see and it's and it's clear to see for a number of people and uh, you're using a, a range of different media and ways to make people aware of what you're doing and it's almost bordering on entertainment and education and i and i think that really does invigorate people's views on the anti-corruption agenda i think we need to do more of it so um yeah that, that's that's my that's my view uh, what, what do you think about that no absolutely i'm you know i'm glad this this kind of approach resonates with you and and i'm excited to to work with you and the rest of the Themis community to see how we can work together to, to push these kind of approaches forward. Well, that's that's great. Well, well, thank you very much. So for for our listeners, uh, uh, for Integrity Icon and Accountability Lab, you can find all the details on their website. And there's some really compelling stories there, which I urge you to, to look at. And for Themis Knowledge, the, the corruption module, uh, is launched or being launched very soon so look out for that on the themis website um blair thank you very much for your time today i know you're very busy with the initiatives that you have but thank you for spending the time with us today thanks so much Viri. it was a pleasure great okay listeners that's all for now bye for now thank you for listening to the latest themis podcast we hope you found it interesting and informative. If you would like to find out more about Themis, get in touch with us via our website, www.crime.financial. You can also subscribe for future news and interviews.